Hello, and welcome to another episode of Balanced Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Christina Hess is a premier health coach and licensed dietitian and nutritionist with a functional and integrative approach to health. Christina is especially passionate about leveraging a clean, cyclical ketogenic diet to treat inflammation and restore metabolic health. She utilizes nutrigenomics data and other lab tests to personalize nutrition plans and also incorporates EFT, mindful eating, the tiny habits method, and heart math to improve psychology and behavior around food. Christina has a master's degree in clinical nutrition and integrative health from the Maryland University of Integrative Health. She is the host and founder of the Keto Symposium, the first ever low-carb conference in New York, which occurred in September of 2022. The symposium featured some of the top low-carb researchers in the world, including several of our former guests, including Nina Teichels, Ben Azadi, Dr. Tro and Rosette Kalajian, Cynthia Thurlow, and Robert Sykes, among others. You can find Christina Hess on Instagram at Christina Hess Nutritionist and at www.theketonutritionist.com. Christina Hess, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Hello, Casey Ruff. Good to be here. It's so great to have you. I am really hoping that we can summon your inner teacher to help us understand nutrigenomics. I could barely pronounce the word in the introduction. Um, and understanding uh, something that seems very complex and complicated, I, I'm so excited for you to introduce that um, kind of concept to our audience. But I do want to talk first about this symposium. What was it like to organize a trade show? That's crazy. Oh my goodness. So the keto symposium was originally slated to happen in 2020 and we all know what happened, what happened? with the, pan- what happened? the pandemic. Oh, nobody told me. <laughs> right. So uh keto symposium, really the planning for it was a three year venture and, um, and it was originally also slated to be in my home state of Connecticut, not New York city, but, um, people wanted it to be in New York city advocated for New York city. So, uh, so we pivoted to New York city, which is a little crazy because New York city is the land of the vegans. It, it really is a, um, heavy, uh, vegan city. I don't know if it's all the, the models that live there, I, but it's even part of their policy, the meatless Mondays and all that. So, um, yeah, New York is a tough, it's a, it's a, it's a tough, city to break into for an event, a low carb event. And, um, but the event was itself was beautiful. We had amazing, amazing talks, uh, just like such a fantastic lineup. We had great vendors and the, uh, although the attendee, you know, the group was small, uh, it was small, but mighty. So it, you know, lots of engagement and people loved it. People absolutely loved it. And, um, and it was just a, it was a passion project. You know, it wasn't um, anything uh, I benefited from financially wow. at all. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so, wow. That's amazing. So I've been to two low carb conferences. One was uh, low carb Denver 2020. That was the weekend that everything shut down. So you can imagine how bizarre that was. And then we just had Keto Salt Lake here in April of 2022. And I, I love going to these conferences. It's so amazing to be there, to meet 
my heroes. Like these are my heroes. Like Ben Azadi, Cynthia Thurlow. Like like to be there and meet Nina Teichels would have been absolutely incredible. It's so cool to be there. But I'm used to like you know it's kind of like a ballroom and like a big hotel and kind of a conferency right. kind of a feel. And from the pictures of your event, it looked like. I mean, did you guys have like a fireplace there? Like it looked like so intimate and small. It looked oh, amazing. It, it was. It was. In, it was held actually in a very iconic location at in, in the Bruno Walter auditorium at Lincoln Center. So, um, you know, Lincoln Center is where the Metropolitan Opera and the ballet and everything. So it was a smaller theater in the back, part of the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts, right next to the Juilliard School, you know, where the top artists, you know, study their craft. So the location couldn't have been more amazing. Um, yeah, but it did, it did have that intimate, cozy, around the hearth kind of feel. So cool. I absolutely love yeah. it. And so you would call the event a success? Oh, 100%. I I thoroughly en- enjoyed it and learned a lot. And one of my favorite things, and I encourage your audience to check out, um, is the upcoming docu-series called Cancer Revolution. It is going to be amazing. They are submitting their film to Sundance Film Festival in your in your um, neck of the woods yeah yeah and i have to say just the 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 15 minutes that we got to watch cuz we got to see the premiere of those 15 minutes was so special uh maggie jones's story her her personal story of being given 6 months to live and then and and throwing up the pictures of the tumors that were all over her body and then just to see her now, three years later, on stage with her husband, having produced this beautiful film with featuring the top cancer docs. I know you've interviewed um, Professor Thomas Seyfried and, and m- multiple others, plus the testimonials of the survivors who use a ketogenic diet as, as a protocol, dietary protocol to overcome really aggressive cancers, glioblastoma, HER2 positive, um, you know, metastatic breast cancer, uh, just really, really just the worst of the worst cancers. And I mean, the audience was in tears by the end, just, you know, happy tears, but that was beautiful to get to experience that premiere at at the event too. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. I think I saw the preview of that premiere and I only saw it because I was looking into you and the symposium that was going on and yeah, to see former guest Thomas Seyfried and Travis Christofferson and like this very beautiful, beautifully done, well shot, well produced. You can tell. And, and you're right. Like to have the anecdote and the story with the hard science will be absolutely incredible. I hope that movie does amazing in Sundance and I hope a lot of people see it. It's something that's really near and dear to my heart because my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, 98, I want to say. And we just, you know, did what we should have done, which is double down on a low fat diet. And you could always find low fat, no fat products around the house and lots of licorice and snack wells, crap and all that stuff. And I mean, you can imagine what her journey with cancer was like. It didn't, didn't end very well seven and a half years later. And so to be able to see Mm. that alternative and to see that message being shared with other people makes me so hopeful that, that that same fate that my mom had will not continue with more and more people out there because it, it is tragic. It is. Um, I'm so sorry that your mom, 
you know, went through that. And, um, it's unfortunate that it isn't yet mainstream for, um, a, a ketogenic diet to be just the automatic recommended protocol, despite all the studies just the other day, actually, I was with, with a client of mine whose mother has, has glioblastoma and I showed her, I just pulled up PubMed and I showed her, I said, look, look at, look at all the papers. Okay. And, um, and she's like, I don't know. I don't know if my mother's going to be willing. And that that's a huge piece of it. Don't you think, right? You know, it's, you gotta be willing and you gotta want to live and make the changes and give up, give up your sugar. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And it's, it's tough that, more people go down that path of chronic disease. You know, first of all, it is the information and getting the information. I think now, like, the information's getting out there a little bit more, but that does put, you know, the responsibility on people to do what they will with that information. And I, I do hope more people choose that with any chronic disease. But yeah, it's tough out there. People have the deck really stacked against them. And I see it every time I drive down the street and see the soda store and it's the mm-hmm. line that wraps around the building to sell buckets of soda with extra flavors and all kinds of stuff. It, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And, um, I'm, uh, on a mission sort of on as a side project too, to try to just change hospital food because, you know, our sick care, uh, system, it's, it, it, the food has to be a piece of it. We have wonderfully trained doctors who like are then recommending eat whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's crazy. It's right. I, I do want to, I want to hear your story, but since you mentioned it, let's just talk about that for a second. The, <laughs> I, I laugh and it's it's not funny, but I don't know how else to react to it. Tell your story about the processed food that you found in the hospital. Oh goodness sakes. Okay, well, so this story is it, it ten years apart. Uh, my mother my mother ended up my mother's had a bunch of health challenges, how I ended up in the nutrition space in the first place. But um so she ended up in the hospital with diverticulitis. And some of the food that she was given like when she was able to eat again after four days of antibiotics and not even allowed to have ice chips, you know, she was given sugar water, you know, high fructose corn syrup with red food dye in water with a peel back plastic up. And I about just like, I lost my mind. I lost my, I wasn't even a nutritionist then. And I lost my mind. And, um, so it was a bit of a catalyst. It was just one of a few things that happened that, that spurred me to change my career. And then 10 years later, she ends up having a flare, ends up in the hospital again, concurrently with some heart issues and um, the food. So her flare wasn't so bad. She was, I don't know why they let her eat, but they were giving her food because they were more treating her for her heart. And so they're very concerned about the sodium content, like the sodium content for the heart. But um, they're giving her processed everything. I mean, frozen pancakes with pretend maple syrup. Again, the 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 corn syrup <laughs> is the first ingredient. And again, like I shouldn't be laughing either. But it's just, yeah. What do you do? And I have I, I saved it because it's all food that's going to live 
Oh, right it'll be in fine. a container. Yeah, it'll be it'll fine. Be fine. Won't, won't grow mold. Nothing. So I ha- I have this container of food that's it's dressing. It's it's the the really crappy mayonnaise. It's you know for the sandwich. It's yeah. It you know the 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 muffin that's in a package that will preserve be preserved for another five years. <laughs> Can't make this um, stuff up. It's just awful. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows it's the case. Everyone, yeah, has visited some person in a hospital at some point in time. And they they know that the big food companies sponsor the vending machines that are there and that the cafeterias there don't really have great food to offer, um, even just visitors. Now, some hospitals do have, I guess, chefs and nice things that they can prepare and cook. And other hospitals don't. And, 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 and at the end of the day, um, it is a, I guess it's a business issue. It's a bottom line issue, just like in a supermarket, you know, the stuff that's in the aisles, it's going to expire. It's going to, so the, the big companies that are making big money have food that doesn't go bad that quickly. That's, and that's all the garbage food that we really shouldn't be eating, but that's, giving the sickest people who need to get well. Yeah. So it's That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm thinking about like, you know, Gary Fecky who went to trial essentially for just, just trying to get sugar out of the hospital and it was nearly impossible. And he, he went under investigation for like four and a half years. Totally crazy. Well, it's, it's really unfortunate because uh, doctors, even, even just from my one ranty post about it, um, that, I put out on Facebook and YouTube that doctor friends of mine messaged me privately to say, you know, thanks for speaking. We all know about this, but we can't, our our hands are tied because we would actually lose our jobs. Like we'd lose our affiliation with the hospital. Um, And a couple of them have tried to speak up about making changes. And the thing is, is they get shut down by operations, you know, these administrators who have budgets and things like that. But I don't understand, there are good companies, you know, like a Primal Kitchen, for example, right? Mark Sisson's company that ended up getting bought out, but I, I don't know who bought bought that out. But at least um, we know that the ingredients are quality ingredients. And I I have no affiliation to Primal Kitchen. I'm just saying there need to be more companies like that, that are mission-driven to have good ingredients that are packaged and safe for people, for places like a hospital to have them on hand. Yeah, totally. No, he took a lot of criticism for kind of selling to the company. I want to say it was Kraft, but I could be wrong about that. But but I I saw it as a really good sign that big companies know that people care about this kind of stuff and if they're willing to expand that market in a way that Mark Sisson is not able to do himself, like that's great. That's a really good thing. At least there's some demand there, but yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, and then, and then the distribution is good and you yeah. can find the product anywhere and then the cost will ultimately come down. And I just, I don't, I don't see why, um, at least in, in a hospital, why they can't carry, uh, e- even if it's real maple syrup, right. Vermont maple syrup, it, 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 why can't you carry something real? Why do you need the packaged corn syrup? Um, you know, I just that, that kind of thing, or, or just plain olive oil for dressing. 
um, with a little slice of lemon, why, why do you need to have the craft package with yeah. the soybean oil and the sugar and the ingredients? And totally. it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. And, and even just to have the option to choose is amazing. Yeah. And, and I have to say, if you're listening and not watching, you're missing out an amazing background behind me, Christina, <laughs> in Vermont on location. Let's get some of that uh, maple syrup going. It looks absolutely beautiful over there. I should have done the call outside. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Okay. So let's go back and tell your story about your journey to health. It sounds like you had to make a pivot and having your mom be unwell was a big part of that. Yeah. Mom, mom was unwell, was a huge, huge driver to that. And just because of her health issues, I was very cognizant of, you know, trying at least doing my best to be healthy from a young age, except, you know, I was following all the fads too, you know, the low fat, no fat time and, um, made, made a lot of errors. It really wasn't until, um, I got into CrossFit in my thirties and kind of pivoted to, to a paleo diet and experienced all kinds of amazing results from that. Because prior to that, I had experimented with vegetarianism and become a vegan. And then I had fractured bones as a result of that. So yeah, my body completely fell apart. Um, and again, it was all in the name. It wasn't out of a I love animals. I have, I have two dogs that are sleeping here right next to me, but it wasn't out of that. It was, I wanted to be my healthiest self. That's always been a very high value to me. And, um, but man, employing the wrong strategy. And that's why I'm so passionate about the nutrigenomics now, because when someone's experimenting, like really, really trying with a whole bunch of different protocols and plans and really just wants to be their healthiest self. And then and then that the wrong strategy ends up being a disaster for your body. That's really, um, it's not just soul crushing, but it really like hurts you physically. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I, I used to be an educator. I was a, a school teacher for, for 11 years. And then I, and then I, I switched over to nutrition and, and I, I, there are a lot of similarities, you know, in the profession. So yeah, I, I do consider myself to have the heart of a teacher and I like to really impart and impart knowledge though. So, yeah. Um, that's amazing. How did you learn about low carbohydrate and ketogenic diets to begin with? So I probably, uh, it was actually through podcasting. Yeah. I first learned about it back in 2012 and, oh, sorry, my internet connection is unstable. Um, so 2012, it was probably the Ben Greenfield fitness podcast. Yeah. And, and, um, and then, and I know he was doing, he was, he went through his whole like one year deep experiment in deep ketosis and doing Ironman and stuff. Um, now at the time I was listening to all that and going, that sounds really just way too hard for me to do. So fast forward to 2017, I'm at a nutrition conference. Um, the, the spotlight, the theme was cancer. I was about to start work inside of an oncology practice in Manhattan. And, uh, it was Dr. Seyfried's talk on ketogenic metabolic therapy, you know, Otto, Otto Warburg, all the, you know, just the mitochondrial, uh, theory of how cancer 
happens that it just, it just opened my mind, just made my head explode basically. Like what? Wow. And the, and the pictures, the before and after pictures. So his, so, so yes, I knew about keto. I knew about low carb. Um, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand it. And I didn't understand how feasible it was to live a low carb lifestyle. Uh, I didn't really understand that it's really a metabolic state. I was not taught that really. We touched on it in, in school. You'd be surprised, you know, how little uh, you learn about, um, okay, you learn about beta oxidation and you learn, it's just so touched on how actually important that whole metabolic flexibility thing is yeah. <laughs> and, and how reasonable and doable and actually how natural it is and why we actually should live in this state more of the time than we do not. So, um, thank you, Dr. Seyfried. He was, he was the one, he was the one. Yeah. What is he like on stage? Is he, does he get as fired up when he's on stage as he does? Like when he's getting interviewed? Yeah, he is so fired up. He's so passionate. He's a great engaged speaker. He's, he is, he is a great teacher and he can teach this very complex cancer topic as if he's, you know, like engaging. If you can teach it to a kindergartner, you've got your stuff nailed. I mean, I really understood what he was saying. He didn't get like too bogged down in all this science and he just really has a knack for explaining it in a beautiful way. And I was enthralled. I mean, I was really enthralled. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. His, his rants are my favorite. We just interviewed him for the second time recently. And, and <laughs> I, I kind of forgot this. He worked with George Cahill way back in the day on some of the, um, I don't think he worked directly on some of Cahill's fasting studies, but, but there's some of the best, most elegant done studies about what happens to the body and the energy systems when somebody's fasting. And you were right about like textbooks and stuff talking about ketosis. There's one sentence in this giant nutrition manual that I have to pass to say I'm a nutritionist every year. There's a sentence that says when your body burns fat, your body enters into a state of ketosis and makes ketones. That's it. That's all it says in there. Yeah. And it's like, if why isn't the Cahill study in there? If you put that in there, you would know more about nutrition than anything. You wouldn't even need this whole book. It, yeah, it's it's really staggering, but I'm glad we have that in common. And he, he really is a wonderful man. He is. I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to meet him soon. I'm su- super oh, excited. That's so awesome. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Wow. Cool. What a cool introduction and way to find um, a ketogenic diet. What We know that low-carbohydrate diets pretty much I would say across the board, some version of a low carbohydrate diet. I I've yet to find somebody who doesn't thrive. That said, there's lots of different ways to do a ketogenic diet. So what were some of the ways that you experimented with yourself personally? And what did you find to be this, the best for you? Oh, best for me is, uh, it's definitely, uh, slightly leaner, leaner proteins, uh, a lot, a lot more veg, and, um, some color. So I have to rotate through, um, not, I, I, I cycle, I do carb cycle because I'm perimenopausal. And after five years of doing ultra low carb, I lost my period. and I wasn't quite ready for that. So, um, by, by 
in- including more starchy vegetables again, like going more paleo, if you will, um, going back to that really works well for me. So low, the low, low to no dairy and more, um, colorful foods works really well for me. Yeah. So, um, now some people feel amazing, amazing, amazing and do amazing with those, you know, fattier meats. And, um, that's the, the, it's not, not how I feel my best, but I do love them. (laughs) (laughs) I do love them. Sure. I love a good ribeye. I love, I love my bacon and, um, but yeah, I can't, I can't do too much of that. Yeah. I, I just want to emphasize, this is the best thing for me. It's so important I, to consider that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, it's what makes nutrition coaching so fun and so frustrating all at the same time is you're trying to diagnose different things with different people. And, you know, I've settled out really well into a carnivore diet for myself personally. Like I can, you, you know, I just ate 10 eggs tonight. I can do a pound and a half of, you know, probably ground beef. I just bought a quarter of a cow, which I'm super excited about. I can eat that. That's my food and I'm good. And so when people approach me and they want to learn the carnivore way, I just, my stupid carnivore brain just says, Oh, just do what I do. And this is fine. And one example, a guy hired me, um, about a month or two ago, we've done a few sessions and it's, it's not working and I hate it. It's not working for him. His his digestion is still not great. He's not craving the kinds of foods I'm telling him to go towards. And so we're going to have to make a pivot. We're going to have to change and introduce plant foods. And again, in my brain, I, I, I want to say that the, whatever worked for me and works for me and works for a lot of people out there doesn't always work for everybody. So in that context, how, how would you explain nutrigenomics and how did you find that world of nutrigenomics to begin with? I, I found, I found it at graduate school. Uh, and, and then I, I had to continue studying after, right. It, it, cause I only touched on it a little bit in, in school. And then I decided to really start incorporating it into my practice that it was going to, I just see it as the future of nutrition. And I think eventually it's going to be standard for everyone to consider this piece, the way we slap on a CGM, the way we look at other functional labs, Looking, looking at those gene SNPs is going to be an important consideration for what direction to go in. Um, and, and the thing is to understand about the, the genes that we're looking at in nutrition is that they are low, low, penetra- low penetrance genes. They are not really high impact genes. And so you have to look at them together in, in pathways and in family groups so that they can tell you a story. And by, but you know, you don't just look at one variant. So when you're looking at genes, you're looking at spelling changes. It's kind of like my example for that is, okay, if you have the words boat, coat, and goat, you've changed one letter, right? But the changing that one letter completely changes the meaning of the word like a lot. <laughs> so when you have different variants, like we all do, so you and I are 99.9% the same, all of us, the human race, 99.9% the same, but in the point one, we have three to 4 million different wow. variations. Wow. So it's, 
it, it does, it creates this sort of uniqueness that we do need to consider. And what's, what's interesting is that it can either provide a lot of validation for something you already know and say, okay, wow, I guess this really explains like why this works or why I crave this or why, why I'm so anxious or why X, Y, Z, or why my body responds really well to this type of exercise and not so much this one, um, or why I have a tendency to get injured. Like uh, they're just different things, right? Cause the same thing in fitness too. Um, people in fitness, maybe they, they have their whole plan. It's on an app or something. And then one person gets all the results. They have the before and after pictures. And then the other person is like, huh, that doesn't work for me. Why? Or they do the same program and they end up with all kinds of, you know, injuries and they needed more recovery and they needed to supplement a different way. They needed more protein, you know? So it's, it, it, it does, it does get tricky. And what I love about it is, well, it's not the be all end all. It's not the answer to all your questions. I just find that with this like low carb, even in carnivore, Casey, even the carnivores have their own different, you can get little niches within carnivore. You've got, you've got your Paul Saladino carnivore, right? Who's eating fruit and honey. And then you've got, you've got a carnivore who's eating like, like a Dr. Kilt's carnivore. He's, he's eating heavy cream and he's, you know, he's making his special ice cream. He made it at keto symposium. And so there's dairy in his, in his program. So there's, there's a variation even within just carnivore. So imagine you expand it to low carb and, and then who can get into ketosis? Some people can get into ketosis at 75 grams, 65 grams, 50. Some people have to go down to 10. Some, it doesn't matter sometimes if you're in ketosis or not. And, and so it's, it's this huge spectrum of, a possibility really. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. I love that you said (laughs) this is telling us a story. I I love that. It's not that this means this and this means this and then never eat this. It's just, this is giving us clues and it takes somebody like you, a health coach with a lot of experience and also using other tools to be able to piece that together, almost like you're, you know, making a, a defense case or something in a trial. Like it's just more evidence that's suggesting a certain way. And that's, that's how you approach it. That's exactly right. Because, um, there, when you just collect a bunch of data on a person, you still don't, you still don't know them. Right. So I, I can, I can look at a report and if I don't know this person at all, I say, well, I see a lot of tendencies for X, Y, Z, right? Like possibility, there's potential and possibility. It does not mean that's expressing. So now I have to meet with you, the person, the actual human being and ask a lot of questions too. Is, is this showing up for you? Here's where, and they may, oh yes, this is like this. Oh yes, I do have, I do have a gout in my family or I do have uh, yes, macular degeneration. Okay. Well, we need to work on protecting your eyes and we need to work on protecting your DNA repair. Here it is here. Here's where I can show you exactly. So, but you need that clinical correlation with the person. And then in an ideal situation, 
you're marrying it with other labs and other information, right? Because let's say your client who you've told to eat steak and eggs. Well, there are certain gene SNPs to look at for that. And you can put a glucose monitor on them because there are gene variants where they may have an insulin reaction, right? They, they, what I mean is their, their, their blood glucose is going to elevate when they have those foods. It's a stress response. And you can correlate that to a CGM. But wouldn't it be nice to triangulate the information? And so the person's telling you, you know what? I don't actually crave that. I don't feel good on that. Okay, the genetics are lining up. Oh, and the blood glucose monitors showing a stress response. How weird. Okay, I guess you're not made for this. Let's pivot. And you're, and then you're really working with something actionable as opposed to just throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah, wow, that is so interesting. I'm, I'm curious, like, since you've done this for as long as you have, and you're able to kind of read some of these things, are you able to kind of blow people's minds by, by saying like, Oh, I'll bet you do X, Y, and Z. I'll bet you feel this way after this. Like I used a metabolic cart for over a decade and it was funny, like people come in and I could see them walking towards me and, and just by their look or whatever, I could say, okay, I'm pretty sure you eat this many calories. I'm pretty sure you need a nap every afternoon. I'm pretty sure uh-huh. you get sick twice a year. And they'd be like, wow, like kind of Nostradamus in a weird <laughs> way. Yeah. Do you get the same thing? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I would like sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes there's just huge. Yeah. Even before they meet with me, when they get their, their report first, cause they do, they get to read it. It's 80 pages. And they're like, wow, that's so insightful. That is so interesting. But now what do I do with this? Right? Like there's a lot of information here. What is the most important stuff that I need to pull out? What should I do with it? Where do I go from here? That that's be the most helpful. Interesting. You know, some stuff where they're like, should I panic about this? Should I worry about this? And it's like, no, no. Yeah. So interesting. I I go back to what you said before, like validation. I think that would be a really interesting thing. And probably one of the biggest benefits is that validation of like, yeah, I always kind of thought I needed to eat, I don't know, lots of vegetables, but didn't really work out for me. And, and, but I still did it because everybody said to do it. So I find that very interesting. How, how did we learn all of this stuff? If we've got so many different variances, how, who, who figured this out? How do we figure this out? So that's a great question. Well, the, the human genome project was a huge 13, 14 year project that started in the nineties and it was completed around 2003. And, and so it's basically a map of the human body and it's correlated to, so let's say, you know, vitamin A does, X, Y, Z, and it's on these pathways and it it has these outcomes in the body. Um, Well, what are the genes that are mapped to vitamin A? That's, you know, so that's, that's how we've, that's how that got figured out. So it's basically like mapping the whole body genetically took many, many years and it was a multi-country whole thing. So, um, so what's what's really uh, also frustrating about even the genetic piece is that we you know we're still a lot to learn. 
it's still a very new thing. So I'm, I'm constantly in student mode, if you will, because, because I don't, I don't know everything and there's new, new, new things coming out all the time. And, you know, so what we'll know again, 30, 40, 50 years, it'll be light years from what we know now. So interesting. I mean, the only thing I've ever heard about that was having to do with cancer research, like we were talking about before and ending this whole thing, ending up as like a big flop for cancer research. And you're right. Like we may still learn tons of stuff from that. It might end up not being a flop, but that's the only thing I've ever heard from it. It didn't occur to me that we could go and learn all kinds of other things. It's like, it's like with, um, like, like the gut, health and probiotics, there's one thing I know for sure. And that is that it's really important. And that's the only thing I know (laughs) about it. (laughs) It's so complex and complicated. And there's so many different storylines out there. It's really hard to decipher, you know, the truth, but, but maybe we can use an example. So, so something, you know, kind of related like APOE4, if you've been in the low carbohydrate world, you probably heard of APOE4. Can you explain like what that is and what that tells us and who would be at maybe a higher risk or a lower risk. Right. So, well, first one, can I just address the whole like can't cancer thing? I yeah. mean, I think gen- genetics is confusing because you've got, you've, you've got three big, big buckets for genetics. You've got, you've got ancestry, you've got these, you know, okay, there's, there's a disease like you actually have a very serious disease where you don't, you know, convert a nutrient or something. And, and so their geneticists trying to tackle a disease. Cancer is really activated as because of metabolic issues that, you know, but there's no, this, this idea that there are cancer genes that oncogenes, it, it, no, I mean, maybe there's a list of things that get activated, but it's really important to know that your diet is the single biggest expressor of your genes. And other factors are super important environmental factors. So it could be molds in the environment. It could be just how you handle and perceive stress. It could be... um, I mean, pick anything. Are you sleeping, not sleeping? All these, all these lifestyle factors are actually huge. That's really what is acting on your genetic expression. And that is where nutrigenomics lives. So nutrigenetics is the, what are the actual variants? Okay. What are your spelling changes? That's nutrigenetics. Nutrigenomics is what can I do to influence it? What, what are the things that I can do to uh, alter my expression or improve the expression, optimize that, that, that genetic profile? Where do I need support? Where do I need supplements? W- what is it that I need? That's nutrigenomics. So um, the nutrigenetics piece is like, okay, I've got this APOE4. All right. So APOE3, 4, or 4, 4, you get one copy from mom, one copy from dad. The, the APOE4 is the oldest version of the APOE gene. So it conferred a lot of benefits way back when, especially uh, fertility in cold weather. 
So like really Northern climates that we could reproduce. Um, unfortunately, that at ApoE4 today uh, does not confer the same benefits because it is not adapted to our modern food. And as we know, you know, 10,000 years ago, we went through the agricultural revolution, we started, you know, farming and domesticating animals, and our diet changed considerably. And the ApoE4 is really kind of the still that hardcore hunter gatherer gene. And, and it is a higher impact gene. It's not a hot, like it's not set in stone destiny, but it is a higher risk marker for Alzheimer's. It's, it's one of the cholesterol genes. Um, it, it has been shown that, you know, someone who say drinks alcohol even once a week, um, I'm sorry, once a month, once a month is uh, increasing their risk for Alzheimer's by 23% with, with that profile. Yeah. So, um, it's really just not adapted to our modern lifestyle. So it's, it's a higher impact gene. It's, it's actually the very first thing, uh, that I look at on the report. (laughs) So it's, it is an important gene to take into consideration, but again, you want to look at it in a story with the other ones. So when, when people say, okay, APOE, you can't have saturated fat. That is not true. You want to look because it's a hunter gatherer gene. Well, maybe it's super adapted to saturated fats. You got to look at all the other fat oxidation genes. And those, those genes are hard. Those are hard ones to read. And, um, and that's where it, that's where the, you know, going and looking at the low carb, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Um, And there are, you know, beneficial keto genes and, and, and some people have issues with that. And so they don't feel so good when they're fasting. They actually, their blood sugar really, really spikes when they're fasting. And, um, and so for those folks, it actually is better to have, you know, the three meals a day yeah. and not do something like OMAD. So, wow. yeah. Um, so, okay. So with epigenetics in particular, I remember the saying like your genes load the gun, but they don't pull the trigger. Is that safe to say here is like, yeah, you have a higher risk. Like your lifestyle is actually, yeah. So how you choose to live influences. I mean, um, even just this week I met, met with someone who has, you know, Hashimoto's another person who has another autoimmune disease, another person who has, uh, ulcerative colitis and these things don't come out of nowhere. They just, they, it's not that they come out of nowhere and, and someone may say, oh, this runs in my family, right? <laughs> like my mother had this, my grandma, well, it's like, okay, what are you guys eating? How are you guys living? What are the environmental factors? Let's, let's start to piece together a story to, to figure out where the, where it all ties together genetically because okay there is a predisposition to activate it but what are you doing to activate it because that is where the secret sauce is Mm. that's where you have the power there's always empowerment with knowing what your genetic profile is so that you can act upon it yeah, that's amazing. That's so well explained. I really appreciate that. I, I love 
that that we can use that data to drive decisions. And people can always make decisions. They they find out that we're at high risk and they don't care. They're going to keep drinking or doing whatever they probably shouldn't do. But but at least they know. At least they have the ability. I think empowerment is a perfect word to use. That does sound extremely empowering. You mentioned some of the low impact genes that that um, are nutrition related. You do such a good job explaining this on your website, which I definitely recommend clicking around on, on the website for the <laughs> listener. You did a really nice job. And there was that section that shows like, you know, vegetables, fiber types of fats. Can you explain, um, some of those that are kind of key and some of the other ones that you look at quite a bit? So, uh, one of, one of the key families for, uh, for what, what we love to do, which is a low carb ketogenic plan is, um, the, is PPAR, P-P-A-R, that whole, this whole family, um, PPAR alpha, there's PPAR gamma, there's, there's a whole bunch of them and they're all correlated to fat oxidation. They're not the, it's not the only thing to look at, but specifically for ketone production and for fasting, that is a very important one to look at. And there's things that you can do. Um, I'll give you a very specific one, which is to take L-carnitine to improve your, your PPAR. It's a very important um, nutrient that shuttles fatty acids into the mitochondria so that you can do beta oxidation uh, efficiently. So if you feel really out of gas, when you go ultra low carb, you probably need a boost in L-carnitine and aren't as efficient and maybe do have some variance there on, in your PPAR. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. So when you're when you're looking at at all of these things together, what are some what are some of the like the surprising changes that you have to make for some people? Surprising changes. Yeah. I mean, if someone's doing like lots of dairy, 70, pretty much 75% of the global population does not have the genetic adaptation to tolerate dairy. 75. 75 of the world. Wow. Yeah. The whole globe is not adapted genetically speaking. Like our genes are very slow to change, right? Very slow to change. And we just don't, because even consuming dairy, like another, you know, another animal's milk is still pretty new relative to how long we've been on the planet. There are very few of us that are adapted for dairy. And I think that is the easiest thing to learn, right? On the report, it's, do I tolerate dairy or I don't? Because dairy can be super inflammatory for a person if they're not supposed to, you know, consume it. Wow. Yeah. So that's a very easy one. That's like a pretty hard line in the sand on the report. You yes, know, do you yes have, no. have it's a yes or no, it's a yes or no. Um, now if you are, you know, mixed on that, uh, then maybe it's, maybe you have to do more, mm, let's do a uh, minimize it. Maybe it's more sheep and goat. Maybe it's, you know, do some experimentation that maybe you also want to do a food sensitivity test, but, um, that's low hanging fruit to, to really, really know. Another one that people love to argue about is, is coffee, right? Caffeine, yeah. caffeine specifically. So caffeine clearance is an easy, is an easy yes or no in the detox pathway. 
And some people, the people who say coffee is bad for you are usually the ones who are slow metabolizers who get the heart palpitations. They feel bad. They say, don't drink it. It's terrible for you. And it's terrible for them. It really is legitimately, yes, if you are a slow metabolizer, you do not garner any health benefits caffeine. And if you are a fast metabolizer, then yes, now there's still an upper limit. You don't want to overdo it, but you will actually have those liver protecting benefits. You can utilize those antioxidants. Great. Wow. Totally different. Two different things and both valid. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. So what kind of test does somebody have to do to, to get all of this done? Because I'm, I'm, I'm aware there's yeah. lots of different genetic tests that you can get done. Is there a specific one that you recommend or that you work with? Yeah. So there's the one that I use. It's, it's, it's on my website in the, in the shop. Um, you usually click the link for it. It's called the nutrition genome. Uh, it it's, it's great. You get a beautiful 80 page report with it. Um, tons of data backed up with lots of studies. You'll, you don't have to meet with me to get the test. Uh, you can order it on your own. Um, it's just really nice. I think to have it interpreted by somebody Yeah. and like, what do I do with this now that I, I, Personally, if I was going to invest the money, the, the, the test costs $360. And then, you know, uh, and then there's the consult with me. It's a, it's, it's a very reasonable investment in your health to just for a one-time thing to know. And it's something that you can do in addition to, you know, someone who's working with you, someone who's working with another health practitioner it's, it's just a nice add on thing to do. Yeah. Wow. I often lament that it's, it's, it's weird for some people to buy coaching or they think that we're like going to scam them over. or We're going to sell them like this package of like, you know, three sessions a week for the rest of their life for a million dollars or whatever. And it's, <laughs> I, I wish more people would hire coaches, even just for a session or two yeah. to ask questions, get some validation. Oftentimes I'm not even like coaching somebody. I know you're not either. You're just there to be a sounding board while somebody is kind of yeah. like, like going through this themselves. And, and giving themselves permission to do certain things. It's, it's too bad that everybody's drawn towards like the next meal plan, the next exercise equipment or whatever. And they, they're less likely to hire a coach that's actually going to give them some insight and some simple tips that is going to be a, like maybe a skill that they'll learn that they can use for the rest of their life. It's too bad. I, I think it's, I, I think it's a very, uh, a very smart investment to invest in a good coach uh, because it is so hard to, to go, go things alone. We were not designed to go things alone. And just like you would reach out to a, a lawyer for your legal documents or an accountant for your taxes, like you want to have a you know, good team. You, you formulate that tribe of the peeps, you know, that you want to have on, on, in your health corner. And, and I think it's, I, I think it's supremely important and, um, everyone should invest in it. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally agree. Especially if you've tried like a standard diet or a workout program and it didn't work because you followed somebody on Instagram, like how, f- f- vet out a coach. It doesn't have to be you or me or anybody else. Like you can vet them right. out and, and find your, it's people. all about like, a good rapport. You got to actually like the person that yeah. you're talking to and then want to, you know, check in with them. Totally. That's a 
that's a huge piece of it. Huge. Yeah, no, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. I love that you include success stories on your website as well that are all very powerful. Um, maybe if you've got like one or two that really come to mind, they don't have to be the biggest ones. Maybe they can be more recent. What are some success stories that uh, you really love and um, really appreciate? Aww. Oh, man. Oh, they're okay. So one that um, I haven't featured yet, but she's going to get featured soon. And uh, well, I'm really proud of this person and I'm really excited for her. She, um, not, not going to say any names. She, she was, um, diagnosed with, um, fibrosis of the liver and, um, and it's, it's been reversed. Like her, her liver is, looks amazing. Um, she, she's dropped 40 pounds. Um, the inflammation she had, joint pain, her, her synthroid is being dialed down, like all kinds of amazing things, you know, cascade of events. And, um, I know that what people see, it's just the weight, but it's like all this, all these labs, like one of her doctors was like, I don't know, this is amazing. Like what good news, you know, just so her whole health team is, is happy, right. Just thrilled. And, uh, and, um, but man, she really, really did the work and it really was like all in for it and super, um, dedicated. So really happy for her. I mean, you've probably seen this too, with all the people you work with, there's just amazing things that happen to the body. You know, people come off blood pressure medication or, um, the, they've been on acid blockers for 20 years and I they, like, don't need that anymore. They're just, not putting in all the assaults right anymore. And you can heal their gut. Um, the person that, Oh, there was a woman that was on Prozac for 20 years. God got her off of that. But there was like a whole bunch of other stuff she had to work through in tandem with the therapist. But it was like that, you know, when you're feeding your body really nutritious food and you're taking some good supplementation to boost mood, and then you're doing the lifestyle pieces that also bring you, you know, things that bring you joy. And maybe, maybe, maybe some people do need it, but maybe it's a, a person that doesn't need that and, and they're feeling better also because of it. It's, a, it's, it's hugely rewarding. Right. Um, you know, and then a couple of people that have lost over a hundred pounds. It's always like, oh, that's so life changing, right? So cool. So yeah, it's yeah. so cool. And I love the way you kind of preface that by saying doing the work. We can give you the information, but we we can't run your miles for you. We can't live your life. We can't make those choices. And at the end of the day, yeah, this might be we can make this more simple for you, but it's not going to be easy. It will take some work, but you don't need to be discouraged by that. You just start by some small, simple steps. You, you those those steps will improve over time. You'll get, you'll get positive feedback. Your, your health will come back. You'll be happier. Like what, what a better reward, what better reward could you ask for? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's the best, it's the best thing, you know, and you also want to look at like your labs. I think it's so important for people to get regular lab work and not just focus on the scale and know their, insulin markers and their A1C and their, you know, HSCRP and, uh, triglycerides. So important. Like the, these are really important homocysteine, like get these things tested 
ask for your doctor for them. They might fight you on it a little bit, but advocate for yourself and, and just say, I'm looking to be my best. And I want you to run these things and not just the standard labs. Cause they don't, they don't tell you the full picture either. That's right. That's right. No, that's so smart and such great advice and a great way to conclude this conversation. Like if you are struggling with your health, it is your responsibility and it's tough. Again, you are fighting a very uphill battle, but it's just like you with podcasts, like the information is out there and and for free. We, we don't charge anybody to listen to this show. Nobody has to pay to access your free resources that you put on your website, which are amazing. And all the education there, somebody could just start with that and see tremendous results. Just the sample meal plan you have is absolutely amazing. You don't even charge for it. It's super cool. And, and yeah, I, again, it's, it's going to be some work, but you know what? It's going to, it's going to be its own reward and you're going to be healthier and happier. You're going to be around for loved ones. You're going to be able to play with your grandkids. It's just, it's, it's so rewarding and such a fun journey to be on. Christina Hess, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work? Oh, thank you, Casey. Yeah, they can find me at theketonutritionist.com or I'm on Instagram, Christina Hess Keto Nutritionist or Facebook. Awesome. So please, please connect with me there. Cool. That's great. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so very much for putting your teacher hat back on for us and really <laughs> educating us on such an interesting topic. And, and yeah, we've got a lot to learn. It's cool to know that we have a lot to learn. And even with what we know now, we're able to change lives and you're changing lives all the time by using this information, which is so cool and it'd be amazing to see how we advance this in the future. But yeah, really appreciate you and your work and, and for taking the time to make sure that we're giving the right individuals the right information rather than saying one specific diet is the best for everybody. So Christina, thank you so very much for everything that you do. And thank you for taking time to be on our show today. We really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you having me on, Casey. Such a pleasure. It Thank was you such so a much. Pleasure. It was a real honor. And this has been another episode of Balanced Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to 
these premium podcast episodes, the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon. Check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you, as always, for listening to Boundless Body Radio.